Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and this pandemic does not discriminate. Doesn't matter how old or young you are, doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter what economic status you're in, it doesn't even matter what country you're in, because this pandemic is all over the world. It's caused a lot of people to start living in fear. It's robbed the joy out of a lot of people's lives. And unfortunately for some people, they've even lost their life. I'm not talking about COVID, though. I'm talking about the pandemic of religion that's dominated the world. We, we, religion is what we do for God. Christianity is what God, through Jesus, has done for us. Religion is all about rules. Christianity is all about relationship. And the pandemic of religion has affected just about every aspect of our society. I came across this quote by a gentleman by the name of um, Steve Brown. He wrote a book called Scandalous Freedom. And this, this kind of sparked my imagination for this message. He said, what in the world has happened? How have we taken a message that is so good, so exciting, and so freeing, and made it into a religion of rules and regulations? Where did we go wrong? How is it that being forgiven has made us feel so guilty? How is it that being loved has made us feel so uptight? How is it that being free has made us so bound? How did sinners who have been forgiven repeatedly become judges? How did we get so religious? It's a great question. One, one of the things that I think I've lost sight of in the past is I, I want to do a whole bunch of things for God. And at the end of the day, I don't think wanting to do good deeds is a bad thing. But like we sang about and referred to last week, graves into gardens. That's what Jesus does. When we sing about it, he takes graves, literally graveyards, and turns them into gardens. He turns places of mourning into dancing. He, turns, he takes ashes and he turns them into beauty. He takes bones and he turns them into armies. Jesus is in the miracle business. And Graves into Gardens is a great song. Ah, it's my, like I said last week, it's my favorite. But here's what I want us to walk away with today. The Graves into Gardens is true, and it's something God wants to do in you. It does us no good to sing about what God has, what God could do or what God can do. Graves into God wants to do something in you today. He wants to take something that you're weeping about and turn it into dancing. He wants to take something that you thought was dead and bring it to life. He, want to take, he wants to take something that you thought couldn't happen, and he wants to make it. He wants to literally do this work in our lives. Now, I know what you're thinking, because if I were you, I would be thinking this too. If God wants those things happening in my life, why does my life suck so bad? Anybody ever thought that? Man, I have. I've thought it, and it took me years. It took me years and years. In fact, I'm still learning this. I'm still learning this. I wish I could tell you. I, so when I'm preaching this next part, I'm preaching to me. You just kind of get to hear me talking to myself. Um, 
I'm in therapy. Um, <laughs> I really am. That's not because somebody in therapy would get offended if you don't say. Anyway, here we go. God is way more interested in changing me than in changing my circumstances. That's true. Because for some of us, for some of us in the room, and I know this has been true in my life, he could have changed my circumstances, but if he doesn't change me, then I take my same horrible attitude into a new set of circumstances. Let let me just say this. Every once in a while, you meet a hyper-charismatic, and they're talking about how I was driving around Target the other day, and I was claiming a parking place in the name of Jesus. I just knew I was going to get a parking place close to Target so I could walk in there, and sure enough, a Kia pulled out. I pulled my Buick in. A little little bit older. I I pulled my Buick into that parking place, and I just know that Jesus gave me that parking place. Well, you know, maybe he did, but listen, listen, I'm just going to put this out there. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so that we could claim great parking places. I think there was a bit more to it. In fact, I'll say this. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could have a better job. He didn't. You know why? Because if he changed your job and he, and he doesn't change you, then you take your same horrible attitude, I take my same horrible attitude into the new job. And what happens if we don't let him change us? Don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. If we don't let him change us, we wind up blaming everybody around us. It's all their fault. It's it, and, and we don't take any, because we don't take any fault of our own. That, this is, this, I'm learning this. God, now listen, if you, got, if you prayed for a parking space one day and you got it, thank God, because I don't need that email this week. It's Thanksgiving, all right? I was praying. Thank, thank you, Karen, but I don't need your email this week, all right? Now, this takes me, some of you are like, he is always so mean to Karen. Who is that? <laughs> you know her, trust me. Now, this brings me to a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in the book. It's called... It's called a letter to the church at Ephesus, we know it as Ephesians. And Paul writes this letter to kind of let them know how the church should be organized and ran and why it matters. And he's kind of talking about the work that Jesus wants to do in and through the people in Ephesus, but it applies to us today. So we're going to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And Paul says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, notice Paul did not say their responsibility is to do the work, is to equip the people to do the work. Let me make you a a couple promises. If you attend here long enough, whether you're online or whether you're in the room, if you attend here long enough, I will disappoint you. <laughs> I will. I disappointed somebody in the welcome this morning. I got a text, one of our tech people. I'm going to read this because, I mean, listen, you going to call me out online? I'm just going to call you. Now, I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to say their name. <laughs> Literally, this just, this just happened a few minutes ago during the welcome. Pastor P, I thought the same thing when I saw President Trump say that. 
which I may add, I was kind of disappointed that you didn't address him so. Thank you so much for proving my point. I will disappoint you. Sorry I didn't call him President Trump. I, call him, I always called him Trump. And he said the best is yet to come, and I said it first. Karen. No, I will. Give me time. I, I will. See, some, some, now everybody's laughing except there's somebody in this room, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, he shouldn't have done that to that woman. It was a woman. It wasn't a man. He shouldn't have done that. See, I disappointed you. I will disappoint you. I, I, I will say something from this stage that you don't agree with. I will preach on a perspective that you're like, I don't know if I can agree with that. And not only will I disappoint you from the stage, I'll disappoint you on my social media. I don't think you should have posted that. I don't think you should have said that. I, I will disappoint you. I'll disappoint you in the hallway. I'll walk right by you and won't talk to you. And it has nothing to do with me not liking you. It has everything to do with I'm ADD. And so when we focus, we hyper-focus. And so if I walk by you and don't talk to you, it's nothing personal. It's just I've got somewhere I've got to go. Like, I'm, I've got to get here. I've got to do that. I'm so, I will disappoint you. But at the end of the day, I learned a long time ago, you can't make everybody happy, especially church people. They will drive you to drinking, hypothetically. I know a guy. So anyway, I'm just saying you, you can't. Make everybody happy. So at the end of the day, my responsibility isn't to try to keep as many people happy as possible. I, while I may disappoint you, I just don't want to do, be so obsessed with pleasing people that I neglect my original calling, which is to train and equip people to do his work. So, so for example, I'll I just, I just say this. I, I got an email. God. Two weeks ago, Michelle, you'll remember this, two weeks ago. So I got an email. She didn't know I was going to do this because I hadn't done this. But I'm, I'm a little bit more loose than 1130. <laughs> and it was a lady that emailed me that said she had a problem. She, she had a problem. So Michelle's over our care team. She does an incredible job. Incredible job. So, pe so people will email me. <laughs> people will email me and they'll say, you're the only one that can help. And I'm like, dear God, you are in trouble if I'm the only one that can help you. So I literally sent this email to Michelle. So Michelle said, can you please, this person emailed Michelle. Of course, she sent an email back, and it was, it was amazing. The next day, I got an email from that same person going, didn't receive a response from you, super disappointed. So I just sent it to Michelle. Michelle sends me back the email that, that she sent the lady. And after reading Michelle's email, I like got saved four times. Like I was like, this is amazing. Like I would have never came up with that. But that, that, and listen, listen, let me, I just learned this a long time ago. If you got to have me as your savior, you're in bad shape. <laughs> I'm not above any of you. I'm one of you. I'm in the middle of this thing trying to figure it out. I can't, listen, I can't do it all. I can't do it all, but we can. Paul goes on to say this. Paul goes on to say this. He says, he says, this will continue until we all come to such unity, unity, notice that word, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I love, I love this passage right here 
Because Paul talks about two specific things that'll happen as we begin to say, you know what, God, that work you want to do in me, graves in the gardens, that thing you're doing in me, that thing you're trying to speak into me, that thing you're trying to bring to life in me, as that happens, two things are going to stand out. Number one, unity. We will, we will, as a body, as a church, experience unity together. Now, I ask you a question. This is an all skate. I need everybody to participate. It's kind of fun. It's been fun all day. How many of you are coffee drinkers? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Second question, most important question, question that matters. How many of you drink coffee like God intended for coffee to be consumed, which is black? Not that many. Okay. See how few hands, all of you with your hands up. Those other people that like coffee, but not, they don't have their hands raised up right now. They've got so far to go in their walk with Jesus, don't they? I mean, because the list, no, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me you got coffee. I had somebody, we go to Starbucks. Yeah, I love to go to Starbucks. You go into Starbucks, what do you want? I want a black coffee. I want a venti. Uh, yeah, sure, your mama too. Like, give me the venti. And then the person comes up and like, I want uh, this and a this, and I want you to smack it and whip it. And I'm like, are we ordering coffee? <laughs> or is this a porn flick? Like, what is happening? What? Have you ever heard somebody order at Starbucks? Dear God. And, and then we sit down at the table. And I'm like, you didn't get coffee? That's a milkshake. It's a, it's a frappuccino. It is not a frappuccino. It's a milkshake from Starbucks. Now, we could argue about that all day. But at the end of the day, does it matter that I drink my coffee the right way and you don't? No. I was walking into a store the other day. This rarely happens to me. This rarely happens to me because I'm an introvert in public. I was walking to a store the other day. I made eye contact with a guy. He made eye contact with me. I smiled at him. He smiled at me. Don't, I don't know the guy. I gave him a fist bump. He gave me a fist bump. We did the head nod. We kept on walking. You say, what in the world happened? He had on a Clemson shirt. I had on a Clemson shirt. We bonded. Now, here's what's funny. I don't know his politics. I don't know what he believes about God. I don't know what he believes about the Bible. I don't know what he believes about how the earth got here. But we, we were unified in that moment around a Clemson t-shirt. If the world can unify around the t-shirt of a football team, what could happen if the church could actually get on the same page? Because I know I'll teach things that people don't like or don't agree with, but at the end of the day, let's all land on this page. Jesus is alive, and he said our job is to go love people like he loved people. Those are the two things I'm obsessed with. Jesus is alive, and let's go reach. Well, what about how old the earth is? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I literally do not care. I know for a fact the earth is 49 years old. That's how long I've been here. I don't remember five of those years because three of them I was young. And two, anyway, so, so like you, you're, you're tracking with me, right? So, so if we could get on the same page, Jesus is alive and we're called to love one another, which leads to the because, because, because let me say this before I move on. And I say it all the time. I want to say it again. Satan is not scared of a big church. He's scared of a unified church. Because if we get on the same page, that's how we change this community. Unity and maturity. Now, 
I'm 49. I'm about to be 50, which 100 years ago, if you were 50, that, like, you were the, like you were old, 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 old. Now I'm just old. But I am not mature in so many ways. <laughs> you don't have to laugh at that. That wasn't funny. For example, as a 49-year-old man, I still, I, I, this is my philosophy. I think every man has an inner middle school boy trapped inside of them. There's certain things that unleash this middle school boy. One of the things that unleash my middle school boy is the word poop. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Fart, not so much. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. God, that's gross. But poot, it's... <laughs> I literally ran into a friend back in the hallway whose mother was in the last service, and she said, my mama said to tell you poot. And I just busted. I was like, <laughs> She's like, Here, it's just funny to me, which, which is why I could never be president. I could never be President Trump. Was that good? Did we get that? Did we write that down? All right. Or president, and like you know what? I just stay with it. So, this, because the leader of Russia, his name is Vladimir Putin. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Could you see me sitting at the table? So, uh, Prime Minister Putin, <laughs> something doesn't smell right about this deal. I, I, I couldn't leave it alone. I am not mature. I, I know I'm not mature in so many areas, but my hope and prayer is that I will mature in my walk with Christ. I hope that. I, I want. And maturity, by the way, maturity doesn't mean I know more information than you. Because I know people that know a lot of information but don't love people. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, hey, can you name all 12 apostles? Uh, Peter. James, John, Ringo, John, like I, I couldn't, like, no, I can't, I can't. Can you name all 66 books of the Bible? Genesis, Deuteronomy, like that, that, that's it. It's not, it's not, here, here's the thing. A lot of people will have you believe it's what you know, it's what you know, it's what you know. It's not what we know. It's what we already know that we're willing to apply. Because I, like I heard it said one time, and it was said so well, we won't see God's word as powerful until we make it personal. Maturity is not, I know a bunch of information. Maturity is, God spoke that into me, and now I need to apply it in my own life. Which leads to the next section that says, Paul said, then we will no longer be immature, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Anybody ever lied to you, but the lie was so good that it sounded like the truth? I went clothes shopping one time after my mama died. My dad, my mama took care of all, like, she, she made sure I looked good, as good as I could have looked. Then my dad took me clothes shopping. 
My dad had the fashion sense of this table, so, so like I was hopeless. So we walked into the store, and there was a lady there. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know it at the time. I know now. She, they worked off commission in the store. So whatever they sold you, they got commission, which I've got no problem with people working off commission. But if you work off commission, you need to be honest because this lady had me walking out looking like a clown. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I looked ridiculous. But she was like, oh, my gosh, that looks so good. Oh, my gosh, that looks so good. And she was pretty. A pretty lady telling you you look good has power over you, unlike anything else. Am I right, men? Oh, y'all going to leave me like that, right? Y'all going, <laughs> no, baby. I only have eyes for you. Never been left alone like that. God. Well, in the other services, people were way less godly. And so this lady tells me I, I look good in these clothes. I go to school in these clothes, and all my friends are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I look good. I remember, I remember Meatball said, y'all remember Meatball? Meatball said, somebody lied to you. And, and she did. Now, the thing that blows me away is the lies that we fall for in the church. Now, I, I'm not talking about the, the you know, false teachers. And by the way, I've been put in that category, and I, I probably am. I don't know. I've probably said stuff that's false. I'm 49. I'm sure it's out there, and it's on record. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the lies that you believe about you, the lies that the enemy has told you about you, and he's done it so well that he's got you convinced that it's true. And this is the main one. The graves into gardens is true, but not for you. If he can get us to believe that, he can keep us trapped in a prison for the rest of our lives. Isn't it funny how we will believe the love and the grace and the mercy of God is true? For anybody on the planet except for us I, I'm guilty I'm guilty but listen in Christ what you did is not who you are and what happened to you does not get to define you for the rest of your life graves into gardens death into life weeping into rejoicing Mourning into dancing. That's the work that Jesus wants to do in you. Don't buy the lie from the enemy. Then he kind of begins to wrap it up, this section at least, by saying, instead, we will speak the truth in love. Truth in love. I, I don't mind the truth, just speak it in love, right? Growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love, not full of opinions, but full of love. I, this literally hit me in the first service. I never really thought about this. Aren't you glad Paul wrote stuff like this down? Like, I'm pretty glad he wrote this down. But let's ask a question for a minute. Where did Paul write most of his letters? He wrote them from a place called prison. Hmm. 
Paul, we're not, we don't know anything he really preached other than a few excerpts of people that wrote down some stuff. He wasn't known for his preaching. He was known for his writing. But he would have never had the time to sit down and write had he not had to go to prison. So could we say that Paul stepped into his potential because he was in prison? Prison brought out his potential. And because of the prison he went through, we're talking about the man 2,000 years later. Had he not gone through his prison, he would not have discovered his potential. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't feel bad for himself. He didn't say, woe was me. He said, you know, some people look at this as a problem. I see an opportunity. And he wrote stuff like that. And, and, and when he writes about this in this section, he says, we're all a part of the body. All of us are a part of the body. Some of you, you're the arm. You're all about outreach and reaching out to people. Some of you, you're the leg. You're, you're strong and solid and we stand on you. Some of you are the ears. You can hear things that we can't hear. Some of you are the spleen. If you rupture, we're all dead. But like, so, so, I mean, I'm just kidding. That was 10 o'clock service. But, but everybody in the room is important. But the main thing that Paul says in this text, the thing that stood out to me as I read over this, is the word grow. Is the word, so, so God wants our church to grow. I believe that with all my heart. There's not a doubt in my mind. But God wants the individuals in this church to grow as well. God help us if the church grows, but we don't grow. And the way that we grow, the way that we grow, the way that we grow is we open ourselves up to the work that God wants to do in us and with us and through us. Now, one of the ways he does that, and we've seen it happen so many times, is through the area of serving here at Second Chance. Maybe God's calling you to serve. Maybe you've been visiting for a while and it's time to get involved. In front of you in your seat, there's a card with a pen. You can fill that out and drop it off at the guest services tent when you leave. And it's, it, it's just an interest in volunteering. If you're interested in volunteering, we'd love for you to do so. Because at the end of the day, I can't do it all, but we can. We can. In fact, the thing that I finally had to wrap my mind around several years ago is this. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And when I find my something, I'll give it my everything. That's what I learned a few years ago. So, so what, is, what is that work that Jesus is wanting to do in you? Because as he starts to work in you, he starts to work in us. And as he starts to work in us, that's how we make a difference. So most of you know, if you didn't know, I play the piano. A little bit. I still remember my recital piece from the fourth grade. Isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever heard? I know a couple 80s songs. Girl, you are to me all that a woman should be. I'm pretty limited, though, on piano. But what if I told you next week at Second Chance, we're going to have keyboard worship led by Pastor P. And that's all we're going to have. Two of y'all will be excited. 
it's because you're not quite with us this morning. <laughs> and the rest of y'all would be late. <laughs> because while I can do it, I shouldn't do it because I'm not the best at it. But, but we got a guy named Johnny. We call him Johnny Keys. That's what, he's, that's what his Instagram handle is. Y'all go follow him. I'm trying to get you some followers. <laughs> and he's a little bit better at piano than I. Just, just a little bit. Not much. A little bit. Just, so just play, just play something. No, seriously, that's remarkable. So how crazy would it be for me to say, no, 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 I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, I played bass in college. I played bass in a band, um, and I only played bass for one song because, the, well, just because it's the only song I knew. But I, I love, I love the bass. I love the sound that the bass makes. Now, what if I told y'all that I'm going to start playing bass in the band. None of y'all would be excited. But, Quan, come here for a second. Because you seem to do this a little bit better than me. Were you impressed with my bass playing skills? Very. You just lied, didn't you? Sometimes, yeah. It's... Now, let just, just, play, just play something. Just something. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's all right. A little bit better than me. So you put the right people in the right positions. Am I right? Like, for example, I, I bet y'all didn't know I played drums. Don't doubt me. I can play everything. I can play anything on this stage. Wow, thing. <laughs> Some of y'all got Tone Loke in your mind for the rest of the service. And for those of y'all that know that song, shame on you for knowing that. But let's say Kyrie could, could like probably do a little bit better job. Um, here, here you go, sir. Now, now, were you impressed that I could play a little bit? I mean, that wasn't bad. I mean, I didn't keep perfect time. But, like, just, just play something. I mean, just a little bit better than that. My name is Pastor P. I'm at Second Chance. I'm Baptist, so I don't dance. Yeah. Okay, so never mind. That's... <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Oh, my gosh. Now, electric guitar, I'm not even going to try because I know one song on the electric guitar. That's it. In the late 80s, there's a group called Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Man, y'all remember that? Like, I, I just can't, I can't play. Like, I can't do all this stuff right here. This, this, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. But, but Ryan and Drew 
can. Now, Drew, Drew, you don't talk a lot, do you? Not very lot, no. Because we probably had, I mean, we're friends. We, we, we kind of went, we talk on Instagram all the time. But, like, you just, you're, you're kind of like me. You're an introvert, right? So, so if I told you all next week I'm playing guitar and Drew's preaching, how would you feel about that? You'd be sick, wouldn't you? <laughs> but put a guitar in his hands and he, well, you just, do, just like do the thing. A little bit of Jimi Hendrix there. <laughs> Surprised I knew that, didn't you? That was Jimi Hendrix, and it was the Star Spangled Banner, which is American, because we have President Trump in office. Anyway, I just have to. <laughs> hey, you started it. That's all I can say. You're acting really immature. Yeah, poop. Anyway, <laughs> the, the other thing is, is it's, I've always said it's not powerful when the pastor ministers to the people, but when the body ministers to the body. So if you get more and more and more people involved in the ministry, it makes more and more of a significant difference in the community. Would you agree? So last week we had a choir on stage. So if the choir would join us on stage, if you guys would come back up, because they added so much to the, to the song and the energy and stuff on stage when we sang Graves in the Gardens, it was just so strong. Now here's the other thing that you didn't know. Graves in the Gardens last week, I enjoyed leading worship, but I didn't lead it in the key that we normally sing it in. In fact, we had to drop it about three steps because I can't sing this high. I'd be a, I search the world, man's empty praise. Like, I just had to start screaming like Michael, Michael Bolton. He's my favorite screamer, by the way. So I just, I just have to start screaming. But, but you know what? While I can't do this, this isn't my thing. I'm not comfortable with this. There is somebody that can. And he's called and he's gifted and he's anointed to do this. And so instead of me doing it every week, I just let Philip like, do what he's called to do and he does that. Now, while I do my thing, everybody else does their thing. And as everybody else does their thing, we are the ones that benefit from that. So Graves in the Gardens is, is not just a song that we sing. I'm praying it's a mentality that we will adapt that God wants to bring something alive in us. He turns mourning into dancing. He gives us beauty for our ashes. He turns bones into armies and seas into highways. And that's just not something that he wants to do out there. It's something he wants to do in here. So before I give the invitation today, I want you to stand and I want us to sing this song. And I want us to understand that the reason we're able to do this is because of the people he's put in place in order to enable it to happen. So Father, I pray that as we get ready to sing Graves in the Gardens, that we would know Jesus. This, this isn't just a wonderful song, but it's a, it's a reminder, Jesus, of the work that you want to do in our lives. And as we sing, Jesus, may our hearts be more open to the work you want to do. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Jesus, I want to thank you today that you still do miracles, that you still bring death to life. God, that you still take weeping and turn it into rejoicing. And you, Jesus, are the only one who can. And Father, right now, I pray that we would have such open hearts to the work that you want to do inside of us. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place or watching online, what is that thing inside of you that you know God wants to do? What is that weeping that you're praying can turn into mourning? What is that thing that you thought was dead that he's wanting to bring back to life? Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's peace that you thought you could never experience. Maybe I don't know what it is, but would you be willing to just ask Jesus, Jesus, what is the work that you want to do in me? And then ask him, Father, give me the faith to believe that you can do that work in me and through me. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life. And you realize today that if, if something's going to come alive in you, then Jesus is the only one that can bring it to life. So if you need to ask Jesus into your life in this room or watch it online, you can just pray right where you stand. Just, just ask him right now. Just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over, Jesus. Take control in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, would you do me a favor by putting your hand up in the air and I just want to pray for you. I want you to put it up and you can put it right back down. If you're online, you do the hand raise emoji no matter what platform you're on because we want to pray for you. We want to celebrate with you. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, that today you've saved people. Thank you so much, Jesus, that today you've changed lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the promise that you turn mourning into dancing, that you'll give us beauty for our ashes, that you turn graves into gardens. I pray that as we walk out of this place today, Lord, we would walk out with a hope and we would walk out with a peace and we would walk out with a joy knowing that we are who you say we are, that in you we are alive and that nothing is impossible. We love you, Jesus, that you take graves and you turn them into gardens. And we ask this and celebrate this in your name and all that God's people that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad you came to church today. Hope to see you back next Sunday for the best is yet to come. Y'all have a great week and God bless.